Hey guys, welcome back to Land Investing Online, where we teach students how to profitably buy and sell vacant land. This is the simplest, least competitive, and most profitable sector of real estate. For more information, visit landinvestingonline.com. Join our free Discord with tons of successful investors. Come learn from the best. Again, guys, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. It really means a lot to Ron and I. We really appreciate it, and it drives our business forward. Once again, guys, I'm Daniel Apke, joined again by my brother and business partner, Ron. Welcome back, Ron Apke. Hey, Dan. Good to be here. Before we start, let's go over one of the questions from one of our members over at Land Investing Online. Question is, as the market is changing, which it obviously is, guys, if you guys aren't paying attention to real estate, the market's changing or just the economy in general. So as the market is changing, what percentage of retail value should we be offering on our letters? Um that's a pretty broad question. I like this question, but there's so many different variables to it. And Ron's going to talk about that a little bit. But um, yeah, get into that, Ron. Yeah, I think with uh, newer people, this is one of the more common questions. It's like, I, I'm ready to send my first mail or maybe I'm sending mail already. What should I be offering? What percentage? So let's say uh, for you, those of you who aren't aware, so we send targeted letters with offer prices. Um so should I be sending 40%, 50%, 30%? And like Daniel said, there's so many variables in this. I'm not really looking at it in terms of the market because um, I always want to the offer percentage based on what the market I think the market is or what the data is showing me, um, hopefully as recent as possible. Uh, to answer the question, I, I can't just give a number, Dan. What we offer the most is probably somewhere in the range of 30 to 45 45% is for higher price. It's not necessarily like different. It, it will be different markets at times. But if uh, if I'm trying to buy something that's worth $150,000, I'm probably not going to offer 30%, which is whatever, $50,000. I'm going to probably offer 60 to, what did I say, 150, um, 60 to $70,000 would be my goal. So it really varies. Don't be too, don't overthink this part. And I, I want to give you an answer that like, you can't overthink it. There's no right or wrong answer, to be honest. Um, you're going to get calls back. You got to do some, some negotiating and evaluate the deals when they come in. Um, but don't over overthink this part. I think 30 to 45% somewhere in there. If you're cheaper, so if you're sending mail that is priced that, if you're sending mail for properties that are worth $10,000, $12,000, don't offer 45%. You're going to have no margin after closing costs. If it's ten dollars to $12,000 market value, you should be offering three to 4000 probably closer to three, to be honest. So you can make six, seven grand. Um, but that's the best answer I can give, Dan. I don't know if you have any other opinion. And I think even more importantly than that, and what takes more specialization and practice, isn't figuring out what percentage, it's making sure your market value of what you pulled from your data is correct. So maybe you think the property is worth a hundred thousand, but really that property is worth 150,000 and you're offering say 30%, like Ron said, that's going to be a hundred. What's 150 times 0.3. That's going to be $45,000 offer versus 30,000. So if you're really in, if your market value is incorrect at 30% there and you think it's a hundred thousand, you're offering 30,000. But if you're if you find out it's one hundred fifty thousand, you're offering forty five thousand. So it's it that is really really important in my mind early on. And when we first started, we were offering a very low percentage, and our market we didn't understand how hot the market was at the time. And I remember we we're up in some areas in Ohio, I think it was, um, and these markets were booming, and we we're offering probably fifty percent of what 
the actual value was worth or less. So we we're offering like 25% of half of the value. So I think that's even more important is figuring out what that market value is. Practice that. That's what you should be working on. Don't work on what percentage is working or not. Find out what that market value is and get good at that because that's where the specialization lies. That's all I have. Let's get into yeah. today's topic is why we don't option or why we don't wholesale properties and why we, we're not optioning. Um, so let's start with what what is wholesaling, Ron? Do you want to get into that? Yeah, so wholesaling is essentially you get something under contract and you're assigning that contract, you're selling the contract. Um, so let's say, so what we would be doing if we were, but people do it in a part or for houses a lot. So I'm going to give you a house example, actually. Let's say someone's buying a house or an apartment complex or so a wholesaler gets a apartment complex for $150,000. They think it's worth whatever, $200,000. Um, they're going to sell that contract to someone. So essentially what they do, they'll sell the contract for $170,000 or something like that. It's still a good deal for the person who buys the contract. Um, and then the wholesaler makes $20,000. So essentially they're selling the contract to someone. Um, and then land, it would be the same thing. It would just probably be bigger margins for, I don't know, for the wholesaler. I think that's why it's not done in land more, um, along with the competitive lack of competitiveness, but that's such what wholesaling is Dan to define it. Okay. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. So we, we've actually bought properties from wholesalers, not in land, but in houses, um, right off the bat, one thing that you do have to be careful on, and we'll get into some of the disadvantages and disadvantages in this episode. But one thing right that I want to say early on in this is you have to be careful buying because you got to realize the the reason people are wholesaling is to mitigate risk and they're not putting up their own money. So that means that they don't really care what that condition's in. They don't have risk. Their risk is virtually zero. I mean, they have no upfront money in it. So like I'm thinking if I was wholesaling land, all my crap properties that I don't like that are, might be really tight margins, I might try to wholesale just to see what's going on with it. So that's why you have to be careful with buying wholesale properties. Um, that's kind of the opposite. But Ron and I have bought from wholesalers on our rental property aspect of things. Um, let's get into some, since we're talking about that now, let's get into some of the advantages of wholesaling and options. Um, like I said, we've bought a rental property in Cincinnati from a wholesaler. Um, but like I said, the, the main reason to wholesale I think in my mind is there is no risk and there's no capital risk involved. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think not just risk is you don't need it. Like, I think it's the same thing you're saying. Um, but for people with lower funds, like you don't need much money to start because most of them do cold call. Um, so you can start with little to no money, which is a, a huge advantage. Then you can sell those contracts and make $20,000. Yeah, exactly. And so like you said, there's no capital needed. That's probably the biggest thing, but that goes hand in hand with risk. And along with this, um, one of the main advantages I see in it from uh, even a land standpoint is if I if I were wholesaling properties, um, you can you can take more price risk almost. So like when we're buying it ourselves, we need to, we're doing so much due diligence to make sure this is a good deal. If we're wholesaling, yeah, we're gonna do a little bit of due diligence here and there. Um, but that final price approval, like Ron and I have a stage called final price approval where we're looking at all the due diligence and information and then approving or declining it based on there or sending it to negotiation. If we're wholesaling that, I bet you 
over 50% of the ones we're declining from that point would probably be approved because they're like, we can take more high, I'm going to say higher risk, but it's not really because we're not putting the money up. But instead of having to buy it for 40,000, if it's a hundred thousand dollar property, maybe we can, maybe we have it at 65 and we think we can get a wholesale assignment for 90 or something. Um, but those, that's another advantage I see. Those are kind of the two main advantages I see, Ron. Do you have anything to any of the advantages of wholesaling? No, I think in terms of, it, it just doesn't make sense to me with the land in, to be honest. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm trying to think as far as other advantages. I think that's the biggest thing, obvious, honestly, the capital up front and the risk, like you're saying. Um, but uh, no, I think that those are the biggest things without a doubt. I don't want to make something up just to add, add a third thing. I think those are the huge, are two huge component components and they're very attractive to people especially when they're doing houses and stuff i think not needing money up front is extremely attractive and like daniel said you need to be careful who you're buying wholesale deals from if you're buying real property not just land um because you got to do your due diligence they don't care like at the end of the day they don't care the good wholesalers do care because they want long-term relationships with these buyers with people who are buying the contracts from them um, but these people who just get a deal here and there, like they don't care who is buying their contract. And with how hot the market is, people think that people think, Dan, I think people think every deal they get off market is such a good deal. So if they're buying from a wholesaler, like this is a killer deal because I didn't have to buy a market and compete with all these other people. But realistically, that wholesaler probably has an email list of 50 people who are looking at it the same as you. Um, but, uh, you want to move on to options, Dan, or you have anything to add for that? Um, yeah, well, I just wanted to say one example because like Ron's saying, first off, wholesaling is very competitive in, in cities. Um, I'm not saying with land. With houses, it is extremely competitive. I have letters coming to my house all the time on different properties. We own offering to buy my house in cash, and it's really just a wholesaler that's buying it and they're signing. But it's very competitive, and you have to realize, like to Ron's point, if you know, Joe Schmo over here is an investor and he's looking to buy a house and he contacts a couple wholesalers, a couple big wholesales in the area, and he's looking for a good deal. He's going to be, they're going to send him all the deals that they have and the prices and all that. But you got to realize Grant Cardone's in that same area or someone like Grant Cardone, and they're sending Grant Cardone or whoever that big investor is all the good deals first because they want to keep him because he's buying a hundred plus properties a year from them. They want to keep him happy. They don't want him looking anywhere else. They want to fulfill all his needs. And then they give you the new guy on the block or whoever, who the, you know, just a smaller investor, all the leftover fluff that they can't really sell to their main investors. That's, I'm not positive that's always going on, but from a business aspect, I assume it is. Um, so that's one other reason, but let's talk about options. So we, we've done this too, um, where we've optioned uh, it's like an option to buy it. It's very, it is a sector of wholesaling from my understanding as well, but that's where you're actually double closing. So you're finding the, um, buyer and you're going to the title company and they're actually putting it in your name and they can do some title companies can do this on the same day. Also, they're putting it in your name. And then immediately after they put it in your name and deed it to you, they'll deed it to the end user as well. So you're, you found the seller and you find the out and buyer and then you're in there as well. So it's going from a to B if you're B and then from B to C. Um, all in kind of one one deal. Talk about that a little bit, Ron. Yeah, so Dan explained it really well. Um, so you're basically this isn't a this isn't assigning a contract. You are 
asking the seller, the original seller for a 60 day option to buy essentially. So you have 60 days to sell the property. Um, and this, uh, you're, you're looking for the end buyer during these times. Let's say you're buying something, you have an option to buy something for $20,000. Um, you think it's worth 35 or 40. Um, so you, you have that option to buy and you're looking for a buyer for whatever those 60 days, you find someone at $35,000, you're going to find a title company that like Dan said, can double close. So they're literally closing both sides almost simultaneously. You, some title companies won't even make you put any money up front. Other title companies are going to make you send that $20,000. Then a couple hours later, you're going to get 35,000 which is still amazing. Um, but uh, so yeah, so you are lining that up with the title company, the seller selling to you, and then you are going to be the seller selling to the end buyer. And it's going to be two separate closings with the title company opposed to just one, one closing with the, with the wholesale. Um, and I think the way I'm wording this, Dan, like it makes it sound like some amazing thing and it can be very lucrative. Um, Let's talk about the negatives of this, I think. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything that comes off your mind? Yeah, I do. Um, well, first off, before we keep continue to talk about this, con different states have different legal requirements. So if you're looking to wholesale and double close and options, just make sure to consult your title company or whatever and get some real legal advice because especially on the marketing side of things, this can be a really gray area. So be careful. I know people have gotten burned before from this. Um, but the main disadvantages are, I think, number one, um, if you're wholesaling, these sellers want to find out who's buying this property. I get this question all the time on the on the acquisition side. People ask, are you buying this property? Who's buying this? I think there's a lot less people willing to sell to wholesalers personally, especially since they have you know a 90, 120 days rather than us going in and saying, hey, we'll close this in two weeks. We, we're buying this ourselves. So that's what I tell them. I say, we're buying this ourselves and we can close within two weeks. It's going in our name, our business name. And then that kind of leads me to the second part, which is the flexibility to do what else, to do whatever with the property. So if you want to make any improvements or whatever it is you want, um, and you can list it on the MLS when you buy it, you can just market it properly. Those, those are two of the main ones that I see, Ron. Yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. Um, the skepticism with those people because the thing with option to buy like you have 60 90 days you have an option like you could say no at day 59 day 89 um and then they're just out in the cold like what we try to do and i think what our selling point is with our business model is we're going to give you like you sign the contract whatever we're going to do our due diligence within 24 48 hours max and then we'll give you a straight up answer. Like maybe we have to negotiate a little bit down or something because there's a defect. Um, but that that seller knows as long as title work comes back uh, and looks good, that they're going to get their money. Opposed to these options, especially with land, like there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to find an end buyer for that land. If it And that that's the problem. Like I, I don't see it as a service, Dan. I think that's my biggest thing like they might as well just hire a realtor and then maybe a realtor can sell it within six months um i i see what we're doing as a service option and wholesale and just trying to make a quick buck honestly um unless you're extremely transparent with them and tell them ex that that's the way we do do it when we have done an option or two before um but we're extremely transparent like look we're trying to resell this property um 
I, I'm looking for a buyer. I'm going to post this up. Uh, I think I can, and we can make this happen, but be as transparent as possible. If this is a game plan for you, um, trying to think Dan, but yeah, we, like, uh, like I've said, we've done it a couple of times. You can make money optioning for sure. Um, I, I just think it's a little, I, I don't think it's a service Dan. I think that's the biggest thing for me personally, why I don't want to dive deeper into it. Yeah. And, and by service, I think what the main thing is just value It's you're not adding as much value. Um, so the less I, I look at it, like the less value you add to the seller, the more money you have to offer just about, cause like Ron said, if you have a 120, which is common, 90, 120 day contracts are common. If you have a 120 day contract with them to sell it, they can list this with a realtor and do whatever they want rather than we're coming in with cash you know, and we could be significantly lower than that 120 days, I bet to guarantee two weeks cash, um, which, which is also a thing. And, and like Ron said, you're dealing with two sides closing. Um, so you have to find, you got to keep the seller, which is really important. So that 120 days, you got to keep him all 120 days if you want that. Um, so you might have to be following up with them and doing all that kind of work. And then you have to find a buyer. So you're literally dealing with two sides of it, which just makes things more complex less value. Um, I, I just think overall it's very, it's, it's minimal value you bring into the world for a land. I understand for houses, it's a little bit different, but that being said, if you did put a lot of work into it and you have good buyer list, if you had a buyer's list in an area, say you're in Seattle, Washington, and you have a enormous buyer's list and you're staying around the Seattle area and you can sell these properties in one to two week to investors in the area, that's value. I think that's high value, but you're going all over the country. You're going from Washington to Oregon to New York and going all over the country. You don't have buyers list. It's going to take you a while to find. You can't market it properly. Um, I just think the value is not really there. So those are kind of the, the main reasons we don't like to wholesale is the flexibility. We like the flexibility to do what we want, market it everywhere, get it sold quick. We want to be able to put improvements on it if we want to. Um, close it quickly, all that good stuff we talked about. And really just, it's less likely to lose the property with buyers and sellers backing out. We're only dealing with one side and we're closing in one to two weeks. It's not 120 days and it's one side, you know, it, it literally cuts the risk, probably the risk of someone backing out probably by over a, over a quarter, I would think, or three quarters, I think. So maybe we should be doing this more. I think from a land perspective, I think the value is with those really tight properties you're unsure of, maybe this is a good option. Maybe you're going to say no if it's your money um, and you just want to give it a try. I, I don't think there's much to lose. That's the whole reason for this. There's less risk. So maybe if it's a tighter property, you want to try it, get permission, be as transparent as possible. See if you can market it. Don't give them 120 days. I mean, if you can't find a buyer in, in 60 days or so, I would probably start with 60, maybe even 30 and see what kind of traction it gets. Um, but that's kind of where I would start. Yeah, I think um, to close this out, I think, like you said, like being transparent, the first thing you would do, and this is what we've done when we've optioned, like it's like less than 1% of our deals to be transparent. Um, but what we've done when those couple of deals have happened, like let's say they're asking, they, we sent a contract for 15,000, like, something is wrong with the property or something and we would buy it. Like the first thing you want to do before you option is telling them the price you would buy it for right now. Like trying to negotiate down a little bit. Let's say it's 15,000. You need to get down to eight or something like that to make you feel comfortable. 
they might say like, no, listen, I'll just hold out for 15. And then you kind of throw them the option idea. Like, listen, I, I'm going to resell this. I'm look, I can look for an end buyer. Um, if you give me 60 days, uh, I can, I think I can get you that 50,000, $15,000 in 60 days. Then hopefully you can find someone for 2022, 20, you make 7,000, they get the money they, uh, wanted. And then the end buyer gets a piece of land that they wanted. Um, so I, I think that's the first thing always Dan with options, like you telling yourself, don't just do it for any property where you just want to post up properties. Um, cause you don't want to negotiate down and it's a crap property. Cause that's what I see people doing and they're wasting time with it. Um, when the price, like the price point makes no sense, they're at market value or something like that. Um, but I try to negotiate down first and then bring them the option, uh, the option to option, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I think the main takeaway from this whole episode was just where, where does the value lie? And I really think our, the way we do it, um, by actually acquiring ourselves and providing so much value to that sellers is more, a lot more sustainable in land houses might be a little bit different, but for land in general, think of where the value is. Um, I kind of, yeah, I just think that whole, the wholesaling land, if, if you're not really strong in one market is, is not a sustainable business in my mind. Um, maybe it's a secondary option like Ron's saying, so maybe try one deal out, but would love to hear what you guys think and comment on this video. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this because I know there's a lot more wholesalers out there in general than there are land flippers. So we might get some um, hate from this video, honestly. <laughs> I'm curious to see the response we get, but that's kind of our opinion. I know we're not always correct, but I do want to hear the other side as well from, from you wholesalers out there. But as always, guys, thank you for joining. If you got any value from this, please like and subscribe our YouTube channel, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you guys are listening on. Also join or visit landinvestingonline.com. Join our free Discord where Ryan and I are involved. And other than that, guys, we'll see you next episode. Thanks, guys.